First, you must realize that you have no idea before you can know the idea. We scan across all the frequencies if we want to learn anything new. Let us begin. What has physics done for me lately? Furthermore, the equation E is equal we have now acquired a fateful power to alter and to destroy nature. That's like when you're in physics and you get a dream about saying, oh, this is a physics excursion. What is it all about? The whole of human history all falls in the dust of one stroke of the nail file. You can't really get to grips with evolution unless you realize uh, what an enormous amount of time. Our own planet is only a tiny part of the vast cosmic tapestry, a starry fabric of worlds yet untold. It's happening. It's happening. What? They are in the studio. <laughs> we got Peter and Gabe here joining Max live in the studio. Good morning. You're tuned into What Can Only Be Described. As the best radio station on this blue dot called Earth, it is of course 4ZZZ, be it on your conventional wireless radio by tuning into the classic frequency 102.1 FM, digital devices such as DAB or smart speaker, listening via the Community Radio Plus app or streaming us live from our sensational website at 4ZZZ.org.au. And of course, you can always listen back to us or any 4ZZZ show for that matter using ingenious on-demand feature also found at that URL. We also have a weekly podcast of the show for your listening pleasure, a condensed version of the show without the music, which my mum prefers. Just search for our show name, which is, of course, Gabe. Kano Idea, spelled with a K, K-N-O-W, Idea. Your weekly dose of science. I thought I'd talk on my usual delay that you get <laughs> when I stream <laughs> in remotely. Otherwise, how will people know who you are? And then you get <laughs> break in the, the stream every now and then. <laughs> and so joining me today, I have everyone's favourite neighbourhood marine scientist. Good morning, Dad. Good morning. And the master. Well, you're both masters now. We are. Yeah, it's friendly neighbourhood marine master. Peter, Thank you very much. Yes. and then and then, yeah. if course, you must, the, the, the original, ma- the OG master, yeah. which yeah. I'm still not okay with, but we're just moving past that. <laughs> you want to talk about the show? Where, where oh, I can talk going? about the show. If you've never come across Kano Idea before, it is the science show on Four Triple Z Radio, uh, where your weekly dose of science, and we're going to talk, talk all sorts of stuff this week. We've got fishy science. We got fishy science. We're looking at salmon. Mm-hmm. We've got. I've got mirror test science. Max, you heard about the mirror test? As a self-recognition thing. Yeah, with a bird looking at yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get the, we'll get yeah. into that in my weird cool, science. Cool. And we've got a whole bunch of other stuff coming your way. But you tune into 4ZZZ and the show is No Idea with me, Max, Peter and Gabe. And we're going to do a bit of this. What do you got for us? Oh, I'm off. All right, roosters, they can recognise themselves in a mirror, according to some new research. Are, you, are we familiar with the mirror test? Yes. Yeah, general idea. It's also called the mark test in its normal version. The idea is you take something like an elephant, uh, you paint a mark on it somewhere and put it in front of a mirror. If it notices the mark in the mirror, in a, like you put the mark in somewhere it can't see without a mirror and you put it and then you put a mark on it you put it in front of a mirror and if it goes ah oh, there's a mark on me yeah. you know it can see itself in the mirror it's yeah. not just seeing another elephant mm. reflected on the other right. side of the, yeah. the thing uh, it can see itself it's self-aware uh, and this is what the test is used for to figure out some level of self-awareness 
in animals, right? Because that is a very hard concept to try and glean from an animal if it's self-aware of itself. But the mirror test using a mark doesn't always work because animals can get freaked out in lab conditions. Uh, maybe they don't care about the mark if there's one on them. Maybe they uh, they do care about it, but we can't detect if they've recognized it. You know, there's all sorts of other stuff that can go on in how an animal perceives itself and a mark on it and then reacts to that. So some researchers have tried out a new mirror test using roosters, Max. Like you mentioned, the birds yes. on your bird list, right? Of about yeah. the 20 <laughs> birds that you know about. Yeah, yeah. Roosters always push out a warning call when a predator is around oh. if there are other chickens in the area. When there aren't other chickens around, mm. roosters don't usually call out when there's a predator. So they Aww. stay quiet yeah. when there's no one. There's no fox over there, oh, but right. I don't care. Yeah. yeah, well, it does care, but it doesn't want to go, hey, fox, I'm over here, <laughs> yeah. unless it's helping the other chickens no, out, I, right? I had the same thought, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, that does make more sense. You got it? <laughs> stay quiet when there's no benefit to anyone else yes, calling out, but right. because they're the, like the warning call of the, of the chickens, uh, when there's a predator around and other chickens around, they call out. So the test these researchers came up with was if a rooster can see its reflection in a mirror next to it, does it call out? when it detects a predator as in does it try to alert its reflection because it thinks it's another rooster they have to put other chickens next door to it they did this as well yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. but they did one where it's just like the, the okay. rooster there mm. and it can see its reflection if it calls out that means it thinks its reflection is another rooster and it's going hey I've seen a predator right. if it doesn't call yeah, out okay. then it means I know that's me yeah. I'm not going to call out right because mm. I'm just alone with this predator and I should stay quiet when the roosters had a real rooster be- beside them like you mentioned Max <laughs> right they called out 44% of, a ti- of the time when oh. a fake predator was projected by the researchers onto a roof above them. It was a low rate, but I'm assuming it was maybe just because it wasn't like a realistic predator maybe these they researchers just don't had. Really care about they roosters. were projecting like the the silhouette of a raptor or something to the roof above them. So <laughs> who knows how good that was as a test, right? But anyway, forty four percent of the time was this like alerting the rooster next to them. Or maybe yeah, they just don't care about the other roosters next to them. Forty four percent of the time is the normal warning rate. When there were no chickens uh nearby and no reflection either. So when these roosters were alone, they called out a warning ten percent of the time. So a lot less, less than a quarter of the time. Well, and when the chickens were alone but could see their reflection, they called out a warning rate only 14% of the time. So very similar to when they were alone, which means roosters seem to be able to recognize their reflection in a mirror. And that would mean that roosters are self-aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only recognize yourself in the mirror if you have some level of self-awareness. So this is the idea. The, the alternative and sort of dull other explanation is that the rooster may not have even recognized their own reflection as being another chicken, let alone mm-hmm. itself. Uh, so they may have thought they were alone with some weird chicken mimic thing on the other side of the mirror and were like I'm not warning that that there's a predator around what the hell is that thing mimicking me I just take that eat that Um, but whether or not chickens are self-aware the researchers hope this study gets more scientists to use these little behavioural tricks in animals to make mirror tests more reliable yeah because you see the birds on our deck and they'll they'll come up to the glass door and look at the the reflection of the other yeah, yeah. Mm. and they don't see it. It looks like they're not sure what it is, right? Yeah, like they're not. Right. Yeah, they yeah. don't go. Oh, that's me. Yeah, it does look like they're trying to have a peck at it or something mm. a lot of the time. But roosters, maybe yeah. self-aware. That's it. A bit like you in the gym with the mirrors, eh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, always puffing his chest out. <laughs> <laughs> Put your shirt time. back on, guy. Oh Come God, on, it's mate. so frustrating. You know, you know the rules at the gym. What do you got for your <laughs> weird science, Max? <laughs> I'm going to talk about nightshade. Oh, yeah? This is suggested by Toby, who does our podcast every week. Thank you, Toby. Researchers from the University of Chicago, QS ranking. Oh, 50? I can see it. Is it really? 11. Legs 11, yeah. Have developed a technique that they hope will, in the short term, thwart AI learning models in their attempt to scrap, to scrape. 
the internet of copyrighted artwork. Many generative AI image synthesis models, with some notable exceptions, such as Adobe and Getty Images, use large data sets of images scraped from the web without permission, including copyright material. Nightshade is an open source software tool developed by researchers at UChicago that suddenly alters images in ways invisible to the human eye, but enough to corrupt an AI model's training process. The method essentially blends the image to be protected with an anchor image that contains fake characteristics, thereby poisoning the image. To test their software, the researchers used the tool to alter images of dogs in a way that led an AI model to generate a cat when prompted to produce a dog. To do this, Nightshade takes an image of the intended concept for example, an actual image of a dog, mm-hmm. and anchors another image that says to the AI, hey, I'm really a cat that you're looking at right now. The image retains its original appearance, but it has latent space encoded with an entirely different concept. To a human or a simple automated check, the image and the text are still aligned, but to an AI learning model, it registers the characteristics of both the original and the anchor image, which leads the model astray when trained on the data. Researchers tested the tool using Stable Diffusion, an open-source text-to-image generator, and found that after the model ingested 50 poisoned images, it began generating dogs with distorted features, corrupting really? the concept of dogs within the model. That's not so, many. The 50 poisoned images yeah. and it ruins it. Yeah. After 100 samples, it started producing cats instead of dogs. And by 300 samples, the cat images were nearly perfect. Because of the way generative AI models cluster similar embedded concepts, Nightshade was able to trick the model into generating a cat when prompted with related words such as puppy, husky, (laughs) and wolf. The development of such technologies like Nightshade will ultimately ignite an arms race between those who want to protect creative works and those who want to plunder... It should be noted that Nightshade will only work with newly released artwork. So, big shout-out to Liz Witt and Hatlock on 4ZZZ's Art Cart. If you want to protect any newly created artwork, you've got to run some nightshade over it. This is like uh, some Wikipedia AI image generation, right? Like yeah. this is what happens when you let p- open oh, yes, source stuff right. happen. Yeah, if you yeah. let it's all corrupt. anyone say, tell an AI this mm. is a dog, they're mm. going to put in pictures of a crab, right? <laughs> yeah. That's just how people work. I'm kind Love of imagining it. like in the Da Vinci Code when they turn over the Mona Lisa and mm. there's like something else encoded in it. Is that yeah. sort of what we're... Because I'm trying to see in my brain, mm. that's not a computer by the way, mm. what this actually looks like. Is it like that where there's like an image behind the image? Yes, right. Yeah, anchored to it. A bit like, you know, like how Da Vinci would paint over another painting. Yeah. And then you need x-rays to find that other bit and then, yeah. Anyway. Right, Okay. So we're saying that AI's got this X-ray ability to to see more than we can with our naked eye. Cool, cool. You're tuning to 4 Triple Z, and the show is No Idea with me, Max, Gabe, and Peter. You've got some weird science for us. I sure do. I'm going to intro it again. Thank you. I love the song I dance every time. All right, so this is something that came up on my TikTok for you page. As you guys know, I love TikTok. I spend time on there. And there was this thing, and this girl was like, I think the humans were meant to be around the ocean and look at the ocean. Right. And I was like, oh, girl, I, why you drawn I to agree. That. I know. It's a for <laughs> you really, page, yeah. It's yeah. a for you page. Algorithms at work. <laughs> yeah. And then someone stitched it and was like, well, did you know there's this theory mm. that humans used to be aquatic? Right. And 
me being me, I was like, girl, what? <laughs> Did I miss the best time in human history? What is happening? And so I've just sort of done a bit of a deep dive into this. Yeah. And unfortunately, mm. what I've learned is that it's we crap. did not used yeah. to be aquatic. <laughs> we did not used to be aquatic. Let's rip that band-aid off. Yeah, look, to anyone else who's like me uh, listening in, I mean, I'm so sorry because it hurt me too to find this out. Mm. And it turns out I was betrayed by my own kind because mm. this theory was brought up in 1960 by a marine biologist. His uh. name is Alastair Hardy. Mm. And he published an article in New Scientist titled... Was man more aquatic in the past? I guess women just never decided to do that. But, or the peer review. You know, <laughs> I highly doubt it. But essentially he was like, oh, there's all these things that kind of make me think this. He, mm. to, to his credit, he did say this is a theory. I'd like people to test it. I have mm. no evidence towards this. But essentially he was like, you know, we are weird. We have aquatic adaptations. Mm. We are naked. That's weird for mammals. Um, like, no, like our weird body hair. There's even a part of the theory that says that because we only have hair on our heads, it was because our heads were above the water and they needed to be warm and nothing else did, which is kind of weird. And then they were like, oh, you know, we've got like a, uh, I think it's called subcutaneous flat layer, which is also prominent in marine mammals. And then there was also sort of like, oh, well, maybe we learned how to walk upright because the water supported us to do that. And so you would be upright wa- waiting to <laughs> the a water. Cool, that one. Right? Right? So there's like all of these things. And then he was like, I want more of this. And where's, and that, then, where's my flippers? I mean, I want to know where they I are. I want them too. No, well, actually, I've always been told that I do have fins because my feet are massive. So oh, it actually okay. helps me swim. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, this then got like absolutely blown into the stratosphere when this writer called Elaine Morgan championed it in her book called The Aquatic Ape. And essentially, since then, <laughs> the this aquatic has gone ape. out of control. <laughs> so they were like, oh, well, you know, no the other thing... Yeah. Yeah. No, it seems totally fine. I love the idea, too, that it's like your head's above water. So it's not really the aquatic ape. It's more like the wading ape walking through crocodile-infested water. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> only one. Yeah. One of the things that she brought forward was mm. the idea of breath control. Apparently, one of very few mammals that can just decide not to breathe mm. for a while. Many many animals can't do that. And also our diet, the fact that we eat seafood. That, that, they were sort of like, whoa. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's the clincher. As a seafood eater myself, I can say <laughs> that I can only get it when I spend most of my life as an aquatic species. <laughs> yeah, so you guys have found some pretty obvious holes in the theory already. I really wasn't expecting it to be ripped into. You should let me live in my dreams for longer. Personally, the thing that I found most convincing is like the immediate hole in this theory was the idea that they were like, oh, marine mammals don't have any hair. Like, just dolphins and whales. Seals mm. do, yeah. otters do. Yeah. Actually, mm. pretty much anything that spends any time out of the water at all does. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, right. you know, if we're mm. kind of in both, then you would have hair. So, moose. Oops. <laughs> moose have hair. Yep. Yeah. They do. They swim. Can, yep. Yeah. See the swimming moose before, Max? Aquatic mooses. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They can. Aquatic moose hypothesis. They're yeah. quite Marine fast moose. Too. Yeah, and I've seen wallabies swim across the uh, broad water. So. Yeah. 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 I saw, I actually did see a deer swim. Growing up on the Gold Coast once, we had a mm. bushfire on South Stradbroke Island, mm. and it was in the paper for the whole next day because there's a deer family that lives there, and there was yeah. a giant stag swimming in the broad water. There you go. Everyone yeah. in the Gold Coast lost their rats. minds. Rats. <laughs> rats swim. Hair. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Water rats. Yep. So then there was the walking on two legs bit. Um... Yeah, all apes do this, so sort of, whoopsies. Monkeys also do that. Oopsie-daisies. Turns out that's fine too. Um, And also the the breathing thing, yeah, turns out that's probably for speech so that I can do what I'm doing right now and do radio shows. You need to be able to stop breathing on command to speak in the way that we do in such complexity. Oh, that's cool. So, 
Yeah. Oops. Um, also, the thing is now that we just know so much more than mm. the 60s. We've filled in. There used to be this huge gap in the human... You heard that here first. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We have actually been doing things in science since the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> so there, back then there was this huge break in the human record, right? Mm. Like the, between 7 million and 2 million years ago, we really didn't know what humans were doing. They were just sort of there. We couldn't find anything. We've largely filled in this gap now. We know what they were doing. They yeah. were around mainly breeding, you know, doing that sort of stuff. Eating, sleeping, mainly. Right. So as part of this hypothesis, we don't have many fossil records from seven to two million years ago. Maybe they're in the ocean. That's I'm, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, could have been, that could have been some of it. But yeah, it's sort of, it's one of those things that comes about in science. And unfortunately, it's stuck around. David Attenborough, bless his soul, has actually sort of championed this theory lately in one of his podcast episodes. Sorry, Sir Attenborough, <laughs> it is wrong. Um, I never like criticizing yeah. him because he is perfect. Mm. Um, He's still going yeah, too, isn't he? he Hello? Don't you dare. Knock on wood right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good and God. still goes for a swim twice a day, I hear. <laughs> keep himself hairless. He's got to keep the theory running. <laughs> but it's one of these it's one of these theories that keeps going on because it sort of does this thing where we, it explains a whole lot of mm. mysteries. People love things, overarching theories that explain a lot. And I think it's just hanging on. Also... If you like me, it just kind of sounds nice. I like the idea that I could maybe just return to the water one day and fit right in. <laughs> so, yeah. You tune into 4 Z, and this show is No Idea, your weekly dose of science with me, Max, Gabe, Peter, and welcome, Izzy. Hello. You got the pause this week. I know. <laughs> I didn't get called Gabe. <laughs> Every single time I think you've forgotten my name. Every time. Because last week I kept calling Izzy Gabe. Yeah, during the motor wrap, they're like, yeah, yeah and Gabe. And I was like, I'm... <laughs> it's written into Gabe. his scripts. He can't get off it. <laughs> That's how pathetic I am. No. Oh. Anyway, it's about this time of the show we hear a bit of uh, marine science. And because we've got Peter in the studio... We're guaranteed some brilliant marine science, hopefully, this week. I hope so. Say yes, please. Yes. Say yes. Just yes. say yes, you yes, have some. Yes, you will have good marine science. I mean, in my opinion. Wouldn't that be funny if I hadn't discussed it with yeah, you? Yeah, just like, no, no, no. it's not. No, all marine science is good science. Uh, well, actually, no, that's not true at all. Sometimes it's not the best science, but it's still fun because it involves the ocean. Mm. So... Ecology as a field, pretty broad, right? I think we're all semi across it. Gabe here has his masters in mm. it. So we're going to test that right now. Oh. Gabe, how okay. would you describe ecology? Uh, the study of the interactions between species, their ecosystems, and between ecosystems. Something like that. That's it's like good, how, how, how species interact it. with each other, how ecosystems react with species, and how those ecosystems react with each other. How life Crisscross these together. Yeah, right. the finger it's things. Connected, yeah. yeah. Oh, Put congratulations, your hands Gabe. When do we get you to keep your masters? When do we get Ecology. to read your thesis? When, not, you not, don't. It's available at any point in time, Max. I can give it to you if you need some, <laughs> uh, getting to sleep this evening. I remember at one point when we had um, one of the other shows on before us, they asked me, oh, do you reckon, like, do you want to come on and, like, chat about your thesis? Like, yeah. you know, to, to bridge the gap mm. before your show one morning? I'm like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, actually, you could uh, sort of talk about it now because it's sort of relevant to my story. Right. Because one of the things about ecology, one of the things I think of when I think of ecology, is counting. 
Ecologists are really good at counting. Mm. It is a lot of what we do. You go to the field and you go, one, two, three, four, yep. five, and you try and count all of the things that you're looking for and you try and figure out how many there are. So, for example, I have a friend, an ex-co-worker, who counted koalas for her PhD. Mm. There are people who count poo. There are mm. people who count grass. There are people who count weeds. What did you count in your thesis? I counted, for my honours, bones that had been regurgitated by owls 50,000 years ago. And how many did you count? Do you remember? Um, thousands. <laughs> <laughs> Ecologists are particularly good counters. Yeah. Yeah. But counting actually can be really, really hard. Mm. I mean, kindergartners understand this. We forget mm. it as we grow older. But then if you go into ecology, we throw you right back right down in that deep end and you have to figure it out for yourself. Sounds expensive too. It can be. Like yeah, yeah, counting can be expensive, especially for marine ecologists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then your, your labour is free. <laughs> free. Your time is free. <laughs> your mental capacity yeah. is free. Um, but marine ecology, it can also be even more difficult because as you guys know, and from our, my previous segment, mm. we actually can't breathe under the water. Mm. And we're actually not aquatic mammals, mm. which is devastating. But we can control our breathing. So. We can to an extent, mm. but it's not, you know, <laughs> it's, I it's have not like It's not like <laughs> no. I mean, one of the ways that we count things so it's pretty hard, right? You have to camp out. You have to... Like, the places where these fish live, it's very difficult to be for extended periods of time. And it is really important that we do count things in the ocean, especially things like fish, because mm. we are currently taking them out of the ocean mm. at unprecedented rates. Mm. So if we want them to stay in the ocean, we need to know how many there are and how many we can take. So this is a whole field of study that we're not going to get into. But essentially, management of fish populations is absolutely crucial, especially for communities that rely on fish and seafood, which by and large includes a lot of lower socioeconomic communities mm. around the world. So we have many, many different ways that we have tried to properly count fish. They're not super fancy, to mm. be honest, like... <laughs> snorkeling and madly trying to count by hand which yes means that we use our breath capacity but you're mm. kind of just going like what is the and then every time you come up for air the fish have moved and so you have yeah. no idea which fish was which you can't really tag them so that's annoying and then the other one of the ones that they have done in rivers is that they apply electric shocks to streams Ooh. and then they sort of count the fish that what, come to what, the lying on, lying on the surface yep oh yeah. god really look yep but that's not even the worst one one of the primary ways that we count fish Today, our government does this for our fish population data mm. is just by hauling nets through the ocean <laughs> and calculating the populations based on catch. So oh. if I twirl this net for an hour and I caught this many fish, mm. then I can sort of extrapolate that and guesstimate that there are this many fish. It's a lot more of a science than that, but that is yeah, generally the okay. base of how we count fish. But don't fish go in schools? Like, they what can. if you miss yeah. the whole yeah, school? Absolutely. Then, mm. Yeah, absolutely. You can either miss a school or some aggregating fish. Yeah. You have the problem where you go, oh, well, that was really easy. I caught 2,000 of them. <laughs> and it turns out that they were just in a breeding frenzy. Yes. And that is yeah, yeah. all 2,000 of them. Yeah. Congratulations, you have them now. <laughs> 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 you counted all of the fish. <laughs> so it's really difficult to count fish. One of the other ways, and this is really just a river fish thing. Obviously, I'm a marine scientist. I'm not an aquatic scientist. Ugh, I know. Ew. Um, but one of the things that these aquatic scientists will do is that they will stand by what's known as like a fish ladder or a weir at a dam and mm. counting them as they swim past. We've got a lot of fish that actually mm. go upriver to spawn or downriver to spawn like barramundi. Mm -hmm. And so fish move through rivers 
you can count them in a river much easier than you can in the ocean because, you know, they've got limits to where they can be. Mm. Now, of course, it can be a little bit more high tech. In British Columbia, Canada, First Nations fish managers have attached cameras to their counting weirs, which are essentially these uh, little spots where the salmon have to go through. So salmon is like the crucial species mm -hmm. in those areas mm. and they have to go through these area, these little tunnels with cameras attached to them so that then they can video literally every fish that goes past. And that is really, really useful. You yeah. have captured 100% of your data. Unfortunately, you still have to get people to watch the hours and hours of Why can't of you get footage. AI to do that? I, I get AI just to spot it. Max, you have found oh, our story! Sorry. I stumbled yes. into the point. <laughs> come on. That is exactly yeah. what's... Another cat. Like <laughs> uh, if you didn't catch our earlier story, that yeah, will make absolutely no sense. Uh, but just know that AIs think that dogs are cats. Um, so essentially, these researchers and computer scientists have teamed up with these First Nations fisheries managers and given us, through AI... Salmon vision. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, that's what they're calling it. I, uh, when I first saw this story, I was like, mm. oh my God, we can see what salmon see. No, we can't. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Very disappointing. Oh. I was hoping we could see the world through a salmon's eyes. <laughs> could you As it's getting its, uh. its flesh torn off by a bear. <laughs> anyway, um, so now when the fish swims uh. through the tunnel, the camera yeah. catches them, and then the AI model recognizes that. A, there is a fish mm -hmm. and it tracks it. Then it identifies the species because there are, I think, at least 12 of them. And then it counts it for that species. Mm. And they have used a deep learning AI model and trained it on more than 500,000 frames of videos of the fish swimming past in the weirs. And for a lot of them, the humans have identified the species to train the model. Yeah, to verify. Yeah. yeah. And so far, the results have been promising. Because, you know, fish species are actually kind of really difficult to tell. There mm. are some things that it's not an easy... Species is not like, you know, dogs and cats. They're, they're quite similar. Um, and so the results have been pretty promising. It was able to correctly identify the two priority species, which is coho and sockeye, more than 90 and 80% of the time, respectively. And what that means is that every river with these weirs, and they are trying to push this out further, should be able to quickly get real-time, fairly accurate data on their precious salmon, which means that the fisheries managers can then adjust the catch limits on the go to protect the fish from overfishing because usually this data would only come in at the end of the fishing season at which point you kind of have a problem mm. like they're already gone horse and cart stuff going on yeah, yeah exactly so now that we have it on the go they can protect them not only from overfishing but also be like a little bit responsive to the climatic pressures that these fish are facing because mm. they do go through such uh, tumultuous habitat is probably mm. a good mm -hmm. way of putting it so now, obviously, this technology is really only good for fishes that migrate up or down a river. Yeah, with one it. tiny little point that yeah, they go through. Area. Yeah, confined yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, a salmon mm. is a really high-priority species, so mm. it's cool that it's even just happening for that, and I'd mm -hmm. love to see this go through for other species. It'd be super cool. Yeah, but out in the ocean, couldn't, couldn't you use echo sounders to find they fish and, and, sounders, and count the fish that way? They do use but it's difficult, because you, it? the way they do that is that they sort of know the general mass and density of mm. a fish, mm. specifically, and then they use the echo sounders to go, boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. Mm. And then Scares when it comes off. back, yeah. I mean, hey, 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 it can also damage them yes. um, and cause habitat destruction and all sorts of issues. Yeah. But they sort of go like, okay, here's the density of the water. Mm. Here's the density of the fish. Mm. 
when we get the image back, where's the density differences? And then they try and calculate mass off of that. Yeah. So yeah. mass doesn't really help you count because, you know, a bigger fish is going to give you more fish when mm. they're reproducing. Mm. It, mm. Yeah, there's loads of different variables. So that is something that we use, and but you, it's Yeah, it's and you also hard. talked about before about using microphones under the water. What are they called? Hydro... Hydrophones. Hydrophones. Can they be used to count or not? Fish don't make that much noise. Yeah. We've, we, <laughs> so. we've talked about doing hydrophones in, like, uh, freshwater stuff. Right. And you, yeah. some fish will make noises that will let you, like, get how, what species are there, yeah. but not how many of them there right. are. Right. Yeah, the it's yeah. the how many that's really okay. important. And yeah. then, you, you know... Ideally, we would like to know how many and how big they are on average so that, because it's mm. directly corresponding with their breeding success. Cool, cool. So, yeah. Mm. Counting fish. Very important. Very cool. <laughs> Hi, 4 Z subscribers. Our AGM is coming up and you're invited to attend. It's happening on Tuesday, November 14th at the Triffid, starting at 7pm sharp. Please RSVP if you want to attend and check your inbox for the notice of the annual general meeting, which has been emailed to all our current Fortable Z subscribers. Or head to 4zzz.org.au slash AGM for more details. As a subscriber, your voice counts. Thanks for supporting Fortable Z and we hope to see you there. You tuned into Fortable Z and the show is No Idea with me, Max, Izzy and the two masters, Peter and Gabe. And we've just been talking about the game Cluedo. We have. We have some science to get to, but we can do that later because we've been... <laughs> you know, there's a lot of like little things that people have. I feel like everyone has a little personality test that they do like yeah. as part of themselves. Little questions that they ask people is like figuring out little like tests of who they are as a person. And we've discovered a new one, which is what Cluedo character did you pick, particularly when you were a kid? Yeah. Like which you got who Colonel Mustard, Miss Scarlet, Professor Plum, Miss Peacock. Uh, I can't remember the others. Yeah. Miss White. Miss White, Mr. Green. I think that's all of them. Yeah. There's six. There's three women, three guys, and you, you have to pick one at the start of the game. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious who your choice was, because I was a Colonel Mustard guy. The, you the are such yellow a suit, yeah. big old yeah. white stash. Like, I feel like I'm going to grow into Colonel Mustard, maybe minus the Wolverine chop beard at the oh, side. Don't. Yeah, no. But 0420 <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear, I want to hear who you chose and yeah. and why. I need a good explanation as why. Mm. What do you got, Max? Do you, do you Professor remember? Professor Plum, I'll go for that. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. you're joking to say I'd go for that. <laughs> I can't remember. You're dressed as, <laughs> as, as the mustard dude, so I think it's you have to take it out. This is when Daniel Ricciardo used to drive from the Oh. After um, retiring the shirt, now okay, I'm in a blue shirt. Okay. Anyway, okay. make sure you subscribe at 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash support. And then we'll see your name come up on the text line when you tell us what character in Cluedo you would prefer. Oh, very yeah. good, Max. Peter, what nice. are you? I, this is a Who surprise to many because mm. I have been beholden to the colour blue since I was mm. literally born. But mm. I have always been Miss Scarlet because nice. she just looks so cool. Yeah. I want to be she her. She's yeah. so cool. Easy. I was a Miss Peacock. <laughs> I, was always, I was always purple. Yeah. I was always coated purple as a kid. So Miss Peacock was just, you know. <laughs> okay. 0420626733 is our text line. 4ZZZ.org.au if you want to support 4ZZZ and keep us on air, pumping out science and Cluedo facts for you every single Wednesday morning. What do you got, Max? Bit of this. Do it, Jay. It's Max. 
Okay, it's time for the best part of the show. Loosely defined as science, yeah, you already know. Everybody listens to you for triple Z just to hear us talking about what Butters just did. Subscriptions just keep rolling like the tires on a car. But something tells me that our science careers won't go far. But unlike an engine, I will keep you in suspension. We're all here to hear him talk, so let's give him attention. You're not ready for when he starts rapping. Gonna hand the mic to Max, and I'm not talking Van Staffen. Lights out, and away we go. Motor rap, Max, what you got? Gold Coast 500. Arguably some of the best V8 supercar racing of the year happened right here on the Gold Coast last weekend. The format included two 250km races, one on the Saturday, one on the Sunday. Not too confusing, is it? Cam Waters won Saturday's race and David Reynolds won Sunday's race. The winning cars were both Ford Mustangs. At last, there has been some animosity between the GM and Ford teams of late. When it comes to car parity, the Camaros have been clearly quicker throughout the year and Mustangs have been using up their rear tyres too quickly. Since the GC500 was a trigger race, so I won't go into why it's a trigger race, the changes could be included for this particular race for the Ford Mustangs. And they did some blanking out of the front spoiler to make the air pass around the car a bit better. They had some side rail plates installed, which all made the car smoother and uh, smoother through the air. And a wider rear wing, which had extra rake, which provided more downforce for the rear tyres so they didn't spin them up as much. So with the recent two Ford victories, parity, it would seem, has been restored. Mm. Only one more race to go in this year's supercar calendar, Adelaide 500. MotoGP also happened on the weekend. It was in Thailand, hosted... Uh, George Martin won on his Ducati while Aussie Jack Miller gave his back to his non-winning ways. Yep. 16th. I don't know what he qualified. Yeah, around then. Yeah, he qualified <laughs> around that and he finished around that. To be fair, very consistent for him. Not his usual thing of, yeah. of qualifying in eighth place and then or up a spot and then finishing somewhere below that, if not in the gravel. Uh, but but to, to MotoGP's credit, yes. Max, yeah. if you actually... Formula One gets a lot of rap. And we're going to talk about it a lot after this. <laughs> yeah. If you'd actually like to see racing and not just things oh, going around fast, actually, MotoGP yeah. has put on a show the last yeah. two races. So Jack's teammate, uh, Brad Binder, was driving the same machinery, KDM, and he finished on the podium. So I don't know what Jack Miller's up to. F1 happened in Mexico, also mm-hmm. on the weekend. Hometown favourite. Sergio Perez. Yes. Yeah. We only had to watch the first uh, corner of the race to yes. see Sergio crash the car. Yep. <laughs> it was yeah. set up for such a great race. Sergio Perez in his home in his home race, possibly the last time he'll race there because he's not been that great behind <laughs> yeah. that car. Uh, was like set up for a good finish. Yeah. Max Verstappen has just been dominating to the point that it's kind of getting boring when he wins. Didn't qualify first, so there was like other yeah. cars in front. He'd have to get past <clears> real quick. Yeah. And then I, re- I remember the commentator saying after like lap 10 or something yeah. you couldn't have designed a more boring start for a new team <laughs> server because Max Verstappen yeah. raced past the cars immediately yes. into first stayed in first the entire race yeah. sorry if I'm ruining your rap Max no it's good uh, and then Sergio Perez in his home race <laughs> Turned, filled up the stadiums, all these Mexican supporters ready with, to with watch a, him. With a lot hanging on this, a result for him. Yep. He had yep. to finish the race. Yeah, yeah. At least on the podium. And do well because yeah, it's yeah. his home one. Mm. You should do that one. You've probably no raced pressure. that track more than the others. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, first quarter. First quarter. He's out of the race. <laughs> he's Job gone. Done. It was awful. He didn't even get around the corner. <laughs> 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 and, and, and he had so much runoff for him as well. Like, he could have just 
kept going straight ahead and not run into Leclerc. But no, no. He no, thought, oh, I've, I've, I've broke, broke uh, Leclerc. No, he hasn't. <laughs> so, yeah. Real 101 error there. Anyway. So, Daniel Ricciardo, Aussie Daniel Ricciardo, who will potentially get Sergio Perez's seat mm. yeah. uh, probably in 2024. Guaranteed for 2025, by the way, uh, because that's when Sergio's um, contract uh, finishes, but they'll probably release him a bit earlier than that mm-hmm. after seeing what happened in Mexico. Also, he finished eighth, Daniel. I oh, know. What did he finish? Seven. 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 And the other Aussie on the field finished in the top ten as well. Oscar Piastri mm-hmm. finished eighth no. right behind him. And we've got to remember that he, uh, Daniel's driving an Alfa Tauri, <coughs> which is not a very good car. And he still gets it in the in the, the points. The Alpha Tauri is the the sort of mm. junior, not junior team. What would you call it? Like the yeah, the, B the B team for Red yes. Bulls, B which team. is the yeah, fastest cars in the, the grid. Yeah. They have so they own a stake of it, right? Red Bull, and then they mm. sort of put their yep. junior drivers mm. in it a lot of the time. So, or Ricardo on standby. <laughs> and, and Yuki didn't get finished in the points, unfortunately, because he no. tried to do a pass on. Oscar, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. His teammate. It led to a, a good mm. little commentary. So maybe Oscar did it on purpose. It led to a good commentary <laughs> from the, <laughs> um, where they, the, it was a new commentator, I think, yeah, at yeah. least the one that I watched on YouTube, um, yeah. where he was like, oh yeah, Australia's brand new trainee, um, yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. brand new trainee, Yuki Sonoda. <laughs> and my friend, we were like, Yuki Sonoda's not Australian. But anyway, um, yeah, that was really interesting though. That was yeah, like a highlight cool. of the of yeah. the race was seeing that. Well, I, I think on the highlights, they actually use different commentators. They do, they do, they do. Official F1 broadcast. The uh, by but by so Alpha Tauri was on the bottom of the constructors' table. Yep. Yep. Last out of ten. Yeah. So they're in P10, and now they're just by Daniel finishing seventh. They're now in P8, equal with Alpha Romeo. But because mm-hmm. he got seventh, that's higher than whenever an Alpha Romeo mainly Bonner. Romeo, Alfa finished. Romeo has not gotten se- anything yeah, higher right. than eighth. Yes, yeah. right. So, therefore, they jump two spots and they're guaranteed, if they keep this position by the end of the year, the powers that be that hand out the money, the winner's money at the end of the year, they get an extra $20 million in the kitty. Sorry. Jesus. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Yes. I don't, I'm obviously quiet during this segment because I know nothing that it's sport and I'm very <laughs> yeah, it's just, in it. But, yeah. Twenty million for someone who's not even in, yeah, who's like yeah, barely yeah, yeah. in the top ten. Are you yeah. serious? The, team. For the difference well, the, between the, coming tenth as a team and eighth as a team is about twenty million US dollars. Twenty yeah, yeah. in prize million. money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's massive. You're playing yeah. big games. For, yeah. big for scrapping for points for like ten million dollars per yeah. place, you jump up in the mm. ten. For going right anyway. Okay, continue. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna uh, get cranky. That's, that's, that's all for me. Any got any more on F1? No, uh, no. You got some stats. You said you want no, to I don't. It it's it's all the same. Max Verstappen has really skewed all the data because it's like <laughs> to the extent that they exclude him from any sort of yeah. Now it's like anymore. they have to yeah, exclude yeah. him because yeah. it's literally because he'll start at like yeah. below because he's like accrued as many points as all the rest of the teams. Because so. as soon as it lights out, he's like yeah, up yeah, all the yeah. way. So you have to exclude him from state. So no, I got nothing. Yeah. Pun? That might be a rules thing. Then. He's not <laughs> yeah. waiting for go. Oh, there's I don't an interesting anything, thing because yeah. the, um, the number of points is also pegged to how much they have to pay for their super license. And he'll be the first driver in history to pay a million pounds for his super license. Because he scores so many points. Mm. Yeah. Is that a good thing? Is that less or more? Because it starts at... Uh, the first, Generally, it's about 10,500. I don't know if it's pounds or dollars, right? But it's ten and a half, whatever. This fee to a million, and then and then you multiply, however many points by ten thousand or whatever. So he's accrued 
A million dollars worth. Oh, so for the upcoming yeah. season, for 2023, the drivers have to pay a base fee of 10,400 euros yeah. plus 2,100 euros per point scored there in the go. past season. Yeah. So for next year, yeah. he has shot himself in the foot <laughs> by winning and yeah. throwing the throwing the game for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he has set a, uh, a record, which the most points scored in last season, I believe, was 454. Hmm. So um, he's looking at about, yeah, nearly a million yeah, yeah. euros yeah. yeah yeah so there you go but he could write that as a tax deduction if you wanted to but is it technically a, is it job related in, fee because he's in monaco they don't have to pay tax so, oh yeah <laughs> you got a good point so yeah if you if you hush the hush team, the team pays for it yeah exactly. friendly reminder that if you didn't have pay, didn't have to pay much for your super license this year subscribing to fortune <laughs> can be done for as little as 20 bucks for a pet, 35 for a concession Max Stafford, 70 bucks for euros. a four fortunezorg.au <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the Valtteri Bottas and Roman Grosjean report. Valtteri managed to finish 15th, which was last of all those still running in the race, uh, in his underperforming Alfa Romeo after taking a five-second penalty for running over Lance Stroll's Aston Martin. He also earned two penalty points for this, and they've been added to his super licence. The result was also Bottas's worst finish since the Dutch Grand Prix and a disappointing outcome considering he started in P9. So, yeah. Meanwhile, Roman Grosjean, the Phoenix, tweeted <laughs> or xed last Sunday. <laughs> Morning, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. For us, it starts with a visit to Home Depot because he lives in the States now. Just like pretty much every weekend home. We need to get rid of the Laugh Roman Grosjean report. Is he doing anything <laughs> man's, else? Man's lost his relevance. <laughs> is that really it? You've just got his Twitter notifications on. That's all the report is. It is. What is the independent variable that makes no idea tick? That's what I want to mm. know. You tune into 4ZZZ and the show is No Idea with me, Izzy, Peter and Gabe. Mm-hmm. This is... Musical interpretation of the weather in Finland. That sounds relaxing. Very relaxing. <laughs> this is new research out of two universities. One is Finland's Tampere or Tampere University QS ranking. Anyone? I don't know if Bottas went there or not. <laughs> 436. Whoa. Uh, and the US Eastern Washington University, which I couldn't find a QS ranking for. I have a Times Higher Ed rank. If anyone wants to give it a, if, give it a go. 320. Uh, hundred what five Hi- to six hundred? It got a range. <laughs> but, okay, we got a range. Okay, guys. But these two universities have tried to find the most enjoyable way of listening to data, the sonification <gasps> of data. I saw this. It's not a new idea. It's been around for over ten years, but data that gets turned into music. It's a known idea. It is a known idea. It's a known, a known, known, known idea. idea. Oh, is the seal. <laughs> I haven't got it. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a live seal interpretation from your friendly neighbor. If you've never heard us yeah. very professionally scream in response to a subscriber, there's a light that goes berserk whenever someone subscribes to 4ZZZ, which you can do at the website. Uh, Let's go. Yeah. Now, the, the, I'm going to get you to play another sound, Max, because this is Tom. what... Thanks, Tom. Oh, thanks, thanks, Tom. 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 Intro. Pilly. Well done. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. F- I'm determined to find this thing now. Yeah. Okay. All we'll right. give well, you a half seal in a minute. The seal will come oh no! In. Hang on. It's coming now. All right. And there's the baby half seal. I think, I think Peter's was close. That's pretty good. 
I could be a seal any time of the week. <laughs> it's kind of a good segue or something that sounds pretty horrific because yeah. this is what musical data usually sounds like. If you want to hit play on that second one, Max. Um, yeah, okay, I've stopped this for myself, haven't I now? <laughs> pretty basic. Like nothing much going on. Sounds like me oh, typing it. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of funky, but you get bored. Mm. If you actually wanted to get data out of this, you get a bit bored. This is, by the way, the wind speed in Finland over the course of a month. The faster the beat, the higher the wind speed, the slower the beat, the less windy. It's not very windy in Finland. No. No, no. not towards the end of the month anyway. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, when it's Still going. Stop. Still going. <laughs> very not windy at the end of the month. Yeah. Nearly there. And... We're done. <laughs> now, but so you get bored. This is the point. What they were trying to do with this research is find a way of not just making it sort of work, but work in a way that's aesthetically pleasing for people to listen to so that they'd want to use audio to listen to data. If mm-hmm. visual stuff is too complicated or doesn't work or doesn't get across the complexity that's going on in your data. Uh, so, Max, what I've got next for you is the same thing. So the same data, the wind speed over a month, mm-hmm. but they've found some ways of making it a little bit more aesthetically pleasing to listen to. All right, Finland. Full-on drum kit. So the different drums don't mean anything. It's the same rhythm just played out on a drum kit. Right. And you can get the slowness here. So that's on the drums, just going for it. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can fade this down. It's going to go on and on and on towards the end of the month. Uh, But yeah, this is the idea. Make Make music more aesthetically pleasing so people get more information from it, not just... It's not just about making it more aesthetically pleasing. It's so you actually listen to it properly and get the information out of it. Mm. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things they can use for that. Um, one of them is the timber. There's also like the rhythm. You can use the loudness. You can use all sorts of different stuff to make the music more aesthetically pleasing. Um, the tricky part, though, is that wind speed is just one part of weather. If you're trying to visual, not visualize, but or, or, audio lies. What is that? Oralize. What's the word? Oralize. Oralize. Data. Oralize. Wind speed is just one part of the weather. So, what if we wanted Max to show something like cloud cover? Right. Give it a go. What you're going to hear now is a pitch change. The changing pitch when it goes lower means deep dark cloud up in the top bits of the register is when it's nice and sunny outside. It sounds like an important bit during a Bond film or something. <laughs> oh, oh, real? See, cloudy, Actually, cloudy, yeah. cloudy. Nice and sunny again. So is this like an auditory figure? Yeah. That's it's sick. like a graph in music. We should have been doing this a long time ago. We should do the motor app to this. You imagine science in motor rap? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so this is the idea of like, okay, so you can get cloud cover from pitch, and so now we're using not just rhythm for wind speed, but also pitch for cloud cover. Uh, and and their idea is that you can then make it more aesthetically pleasing. Again, what they did is use chords and then add the rhythm in so what we're going to get to in the end don't play it yet max mm. but this is the last clip i've got for you and it shows the winds and the cloud cover for that same month in the same thing so the faster the notes play the windier it was in that part of the month the slow notes mean not windy when the notes are up high that means sunny low notes mean very cloudy and what they've also done is add in chords and i've tried really hard to get an understanding of what the chords meant part of it is just a, a nicer way of showing the going up and down 
yeah, pitch. Some filler. But I yeah, think yeah. they can also use chords to show variability, like because they're only giving one chord uh, per day or something gotcha. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if you have like a chord that has a really high note and a really low note, you could use that to show that it had a lot of differences on that day. Whereas if you just have a single note, you know, it was just that windy for pretty much, or that that cloudy for that whole bit of the day. Mm. So what you're going to hear is a, combi- a, a bit of chorded music with rhythm mm-hmm. and pitch. So the rhythm is faster rhythm means faster winds mm-hmm. and higher pitch means sunnier. Give it a go. <laughs> so you could release this, couldn't you? Really? Yeah. I'm trying so hard to visualize the weather as the music is playing to me. I feel like if you did this enough, you'd get it. Hmm. We're nearly there. Did they get an algorithm to do this? Or? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Yeah. There you go. Oh. So a combination of rhythm and pitch and chords and all sorts of stuff showing you what the weather was across a bunch of different variables. Well, just wind speed and clouds in this case. But you can do other stuff. You can use accents and chords articulation. You could use vary the loudness to show another thing mm. that you wanted to, like temperature or how loud hurricane. it is. Yeah, exact mm-hmm. hurricanes. Yeah, make it super loud. <laughs> yeah, add a brass <laughs> section in there if you wanted to throw in some other factor of like how many coffees people were drinking that day, like different mm. different thing on the on the graph. Yeah. You know, so you can do a whole bunch of stuff with music and it just shows the data in a really different way. They were testing a whole what this research was doing was trying to like use all those things and see what information people got out of it. And they found that if you can tie those different audio features with like things that make sense in your mind like higher pitch being happy and sunny and lower pitch being dark and cloudy Mm. people learn to pick up the information a lot better and recall what was going on like recall cloudy periods in the month and stuff much better than if it's just like the boop 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 sort of stuff we had at the start (laughs) you know (laughs) so this is the idea music from music uh, data into music music from data Mm. there you go that's my story for the week that's really cool. That's very cool. I'd like to see the Z liners give the weather reporter go on a piano. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they're in the studio, I cannot sync out properly, can I? <sighs> you tuned into Four Triple Z, and the show is No Idea with me, Izzy, Gabe, and Peter. And I'll play it again. No idea. Space news. We're going to talk about Lucy. It's going to about it's a it's a, a spacecraft that was <laughs> launched. <laughs> just fix it up, Izzy. Go for it. There you go. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. It's just getting. A it bit just of- got muted. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, four triple Z. <laughs> Love that for me. <laughs> uh, maybe we're not that. So Lucy Max. Yeah, it's it's a probe <laughs> they sent out. Okay, it's doing a flyby an asteroid this month uh, called Dickonish, which is located between Mars and Jupiter. NASA will use the encounter as an opportunity to test systems and procedures that are designed to keep the asteroid within the science instruments fields of view as the spacecraft flies past at an impressive 16,000 kilometres per hour, or if you want to do it in seconds, it's 4.5 kilometres per second. I reckon I could run that. Take that (laughs) one. (laughs) The Lucy spacecraft has seen a few issues during deployment, most mm-hmm. notably the sol- solar array fiasco, I'm terming it. Lucy has two circular solar arrays that needed to be unfurled to meet the mission's power requirements. 
one of the arrays opened successfully, while the other only managed to open to around 355 degrees. So not quite a circle, but NASA has long since given up trying to latch it into a fully open position, stating that the solar panels are working within expected parameters for the mission to be a success. Lucy's ultimate goal is to check out Jupiter's Trojan asteroids. And for those wondering, it also has the obligatory golden plaque attached to it, featuring 20 messages from peoples on Earth, uh, its launch date, the positions of the planets at the launch date, the continents of Earth at the time of launch, its nominal trajectory, and 20 speeches, Mm. poems, Mm -hmm. and song lyrics from people such as Martin Luther King Jr., Carl Sagan, and the Beatles. And probably this show soon. Let's oh, you so. know it. Yeah. It's got to be. That's the goal. We are culture. <laughs> and it was the Beatles song that they named it after, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Oh. oh. There you and we go. put that into space. Uh, and we, we named the spacecraft. Yeah. It's cool, isn't it? That's cool. So Golden Plaque based on Golden Record, I guess. <laughs> right? <laughs> and because the spacecraft will not leave our solar system or be intentionally crashed, there is a chance, although very slight, that future generations of humanity will be able to recover it. And I say, why? We can't even get the sample uh, Mars return mission going on. Oh, you don't reckon it's worth it? <laughs> <laughs> why bother trying to capture, recapture the the, Lun- uh, the Lucy spacecraft? I mean, to be fair, we go through a lot of Romans junk and we're like, mm. wow, that's amazing! And it's like some random thing that this Roman just did People not People to about. a Roman toilets, Max. People <laughs> would go to a museum exhibit with whatever that yeah, space satellite is. And Carl Sagan was the big instigator of putting the golden plaques onto the spacecraft. And I asked Gabe to look up what Voyager 1 and 2 have them. I think they have a gold record on yeah, them. Yeah, they have the golden record, yeah. um, uh, uh, which has yeah a whole bunch of stuff, including it's got well, it's got images, music, sounds, and greetings. Hmm. This was the one that was just sort of chucked out as fast as we could <laughs> yeah, to right. exit the solar, solar it system. It launched back in 1977. Yeah. yeah. Get yes. out of here. And, and I think has crossed the boundary yeah, of the solar system relatively yeah. recently, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this one has a whole bunch of stuff. 115 images of a variety of natural things as well as sounds, including surf, wind, thunderbirds, whales, a whole bunch of other animals. Thunder, thunder, comma, birds. Thunder, comma, birds. Some alien. <laughs> they were like, hey, look at this weird puppet show we made in the 80s. Like, this is what a human looks like. And some random guy going, big head. Why have they got strings attached? <laughs> <laughs> uh, different cultures and era yeah. greetings. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff on that one. Basically a little capsule of, of life on Earth, mainly of humanity on Earth. DJ Oz, hold on to your bicycle, um, motorbike because I'm going to play this. Ingenuity <laughs> has now flown. 64 flights... Getting oh so close to Izzy's prediction of 69 flights. Let's go. Beating Gabe's prediction of 30. Beating Smashed my it. prediction of 50. Smashed it. Peter, did you have a prediction? I'm pretty sure mine was about 40 something. 40 so something, Absolutely yeah. not. Uh, so, go on. Incredible little Mars chopper. Yeah. That was meant to do, what, five flights or something. Yeah. It's now travelled kilometres. Yeah. Little drone <laughs> with, with off-the-shelf batteries in it. Doing a mighty fine job. <laughs> Look at her go. Off the shelf Sony batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone at the station knows 
Uh, which shows the most appreciated? Uncancelable. Uncancelable. That's what I love to say about us. <laughs> everything we do, everything we say, everything we've ever put online, uncancelable. Yeah. You're tuned into Four Triple Z, and the show is No Idea with me, Max, Izzy, Peter, and Gabe. Time to sign us out. Sure is. Thank you, Max and Peter and Izzy <laughs> for your stories this week thanks for all of you for listening in you can hear the show on fortrezz.org.au as a recording if you want to go back and listen to the whole thing uh, you can also find the podcast on most podcasting platforms and we're slowly pushing it out onto all of them as as that stuff happens seems to just take time doesn't it Max it to does get, take to a get lot of time. approved mm. but the no idea podcast is, is becoming available on the podcast <laughs> streaming platforms near you yeah. Uh, and yeah the, the music data you heard in the story a little earlier was from a paper called data to music sonification and user engagement if you want to track it down uh, and uh, I think that's pretty much it we'll be back in your airwaves 10am to 12pm next Wednesday talking science on Wednesday morning and we'll speak to you next week see you then see ya I'm a goddamn marvel of modern science science, science.